This icon is racist. I have never ever been a spy. Can the PBS bank loot? The problem is that pinky. I'll never subject myself to whiteness. I'm listening. Can you have consistency, Honorable Chair? Corruption was an Olympic sport. They will always win gold. This is not a shape. Can you please come in? Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to another edition of Sunday Times Politics Weekly. With me, Amil Amrao. I'm joined in the studio this week by my con- my comrades, Kwanita Hunter, Apiwe De Klerk, Zimasa Matiwane, and Zingisa Mvumvu. We've got a full studio today. There's actually no chairs. Zingisa standing up behind me. He has nowhere to sit for the next 45 minutes, unfortunately. Yeah, he must stand. But guys, listen, we've got a big week ahead. We're all going to be super busy. I'm sure we've lined up. Api- uh, Zingisa, I know you're going to see the EFF tomorrow for their May Day rally. Um, we've got a colleague in Durban who's going to see Cyril when he talks to um, Kusatu at their May Day rally. We're going to be busy at the Siangnoba rally this week and Kwanita, aren't we? There's and the DA rally, the there's DA the EFF. Rally as well. What is the EFF rally called? Tela Tube. And then the DA one is what Kanji. That's your machine, that one. What's that name? Ba 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 something. Ba ba something. Kugurit, man. Oh my god. I forgot Okay, this doesn't say anything about the DA's marketing strategy. But let's start off, and let's start off with the story in our p- paper this past weekend by Kwanita. Um, Tabu Mbeki finally comes out, coming out of the woodworks to election year or campaign for the ANC saying that he's calling for the ANC to act on allegations of corruption against its Secretary General Ace Magashule. He said that he, it could not act as if he, the claims did not exist. And Kwanita, you interviewed Tabu Mbeki. Um, what stru- struck you most about your conversation with him? So um, interviewing Tabo Mbeki is a very interesting thing. Obviously, um, you know, as a young reporter, you're a bit enamored by the man, mm. firstly. Um, but secondly, uh, it takes him a long time to get to the point that he's making. And the interview was quite fascinating in that he spoke about, um, you know, 25 years of democracy. He spoke about things like, um, you know, the, the, the what he what, what I try to push him you know, on was the nine wasted years and whether he thought it was the nine wasted years, the Zuma years. And he says he didn't believe it was all nine wasted years. But I think that the point that he was making in the selections, and I mean, you would recall, he made a very similar point about the ANC Integrity Commission Mm. at the Rand Easter show when he appeared there, um, is that he's saying my support for the ANC is kind of conditional mm. because I'm only supporting you because you said renewal. Yes. Uh, and renewal means listening to the ANC Integrity Commission that's saying remove 22 of your senior leaders from it, your list to parliament. Mm. And so so that was very similar, I thought, uh, to what Khalima Murhante then subsequently said. But the interview really goes into the heart of it where he says that you know, I asked him a very direct question. I said, Mr. President, are you uncomfortable that the Secretary General of the ANC is facing these type of charges? And he says, yes. And he says, the ANC cannot act as if these claims do not exist. Um, and and, and, and what, was, what was fascinating is the response of Ace Mahashule after we had put it to him that the former president had said this, was he said, um, uh, you know, we all, 
everyone in the ANC, all top six members of the ANC are dealing with accusations of corruption. Uh, He says from the president all the way to the TG, from Busaza to PIC. That's his words. Mm. And I know we tweeted it um, on Saturday night and we said, Ace Makhajule says all ANC leaders have small Indiana skeletons. But for me, that was quite fascinating to see the comeback. And it, I think it's going to determine a lot of what happens mm. post-elections. To say, no, no, you can't discriminate against me as Nomvula Mokunyani. Pravin, you have charges too. Mm. Um, you know, uh, you can't arrest me, Ace Mahashule would say. Mr. President, you need to be mm. arrested for Busasa. Mm. So that kind of narrative, I think, is the biggest takeaway from this article of Mbeki. Obviously, the former president, you know, opining about about the state of the economy and what needs to happen post-election, that's all important. Mm. But I do think that it created um, a space for a... Conv- or, or, a or, or gave us a glimpse of what the conversation will be post-elections when, when the stakes are not that high because the ANC would or wouldn't have, you know, achieved what he did mm. in the elections. Now, I want, uh, Zimosa, maybe you and uh, Zagisa can jump in here. Um, Kalima Moshlante and Thabo Mbeki haven't really campaigned for the ANC since their presidencies had come to an end. And we've also seen other uh, leaders, uh, party leaders like Tony Leon now coming out of the woodwork for the DA as well, the POA. Um, what does it mean, Zimosa or Zagisa, for, for now seeing Thabo Mbeki and, and these ANC elders coming out in support of the ANC? Uh, for... For the NC, I'm not sure if it has any deeper meaning, uh, but I I feel like they are only coming out now because they approve of Cyril, mm. and they did not approve of Zuma. Whereas in the DA, it kind of tells me that um, <clears throat> Tony Leon and Helen Zille coming out to campaign, uh, perhaps it's my own personal uh, feelings or understanding of it, but I, I feel like they are seeing some sort of lack in the DA campaigning and perhaps they are trying to help them. Uh, yeah, so I think I think between Tabumbeki, for example, and Tony Leon, uh, I I think the, the, the motives or the objectives of, of them coming out to campaign are totally different. Well, I, I think to a certain degree I agree with Uzumaza. With regards, let me start with the DA and what I think with uh, Tony Leon Helen said. I think in the DA there's a general feeling that Musumaimane is not doing that well in, in steering the party forward. Would remember that uh, Tony Leon uh, left the party at 10%, Helen Zile took it to 20%. So those are, you know, uh, increases to 100% and more. And I, I would think that is what is expected of Musumaimane, but I highly doubt that the TA would get anything less, uh, more than 30%. And also, now with this new dispensation of the ANC, uh, the new dawn of President Cyril Ramaphosa, there's a bit of a challenge because the TA in the past five years or so invested a lot on the persona uh, that was former President Jacob Zuma instead of uh, what they offer or what where the ANC is failing. And I think by now, uh, it's too late because with the current president of the ANC, it's very difficult to come up with something that sticks. They tried with Bosasa, uh, but really that isn't gotten them anywhere. And I think they realize that they are failing. Hence, they they they, they thought they should bring back those ones. Well, with regards to uh, former president Big and former president uh, Muklandi coming out, it's 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 more or less uh, as simple as Susan Masa put it that it was a matter of they didn't approve with the leadership of. 
uh, former President Zuma, well, in part, I believe the part that we're leaving out is that uh, with former President Peggy, it also has a, an element of sour grapes for the loss in Pulukwan, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, with former President Mukland. And then, of course, it, it goes to issues of morals and principles, but that personal gripe cannot be ignored because ever since he lost there, it was never the same again. Uh, you you know, with, with the Musi Maimani, we have been accustomed to when when you see Musi on TV, you kind of expect someone who's going to say, Zuma this, ANC this. You are not anticipating someone who is going to sell the DA to you. And I think Tony Leon and Helen Zille coming out are hoping to give us an alternative to the traditional message of the DA, which is always anti-ANC and no alternative. Apu, is the, is the Helen Ziller and Tony Leon coming out, is this an attempt to go back to the original DA voter? Um, your, 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 your conservative white upper middle class, is, 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 that, is that it? Hey, um, I don't know what, what informs uh, the move by, to, about with Tony Leon uh, per se. But I've always understood Helen Zille to be a crowd puller everywhere she goes. Um, whether uh, her coming out would then please those uh, conservative, conservative uh, uh, voters, it may be. Uh, but I, I always understood that, in fact, she, she, had more, she has more flair than, than, than the current leader. She's the Jacob Zuma of the DA. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. When, when she goes out, it doesn't matter if it's a squatter camp or it's a suburb. <coughs> she always gets that uh, um, uh, celebrity type. She worker. even has a closer name, fam. What is it? <laughs> Nonzap. <laughs> that's what you, know, that's what you call she's it. Always been, she's always been called Nonzap. <laughs> Okay, uh, guys, this is Sunday Times Politics Weekly. Thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, we're going to take a quick ad break. And when we get back, we're going to be talking about the road up to the 2019 elections. Um, it's been, I think we're going to start around 2004, 2005. Um, and we're going to work our way up to all the big political developments into 2019. Join us after the break, guys. It's going to be intense. <laughs> Young people are making their mark. Get up. Tune into the Sebenza Live Behind the Hustle podcast every Tuesday to find out more about what fascinating careers are out there. You can find us on the Sewetin Live website or you can follow us on Twitter on Sebenza Live. Sebenza boy. Sebenza girl. Sebenza. Welcome back. Welcome back. Okay, let's get back into it. So we're heading into the 2019 elections, arguably one of the biggest elections in South Africa's um, democratic history. We started in 1994 with the democratic dispensation, and we sort of moved on from there with the ANC in almost total control of the country. Then we sort of went into 2005, where the rifts in the ANC started to show um, at, its, at, at its most at the time in the battle for the presidency between Thabo Mbeki and Jacob Zuma. I think that's at the point where we all saw 
you know, just what what's happening inside the ANC. Um, if we go back then, there was that massive battle uh, where Tabumbeki sort of started going against Uma and, and, and all the allegations surrounding him. At the time, it was only the um, um, the arms the deal arms allegations deal. and allegations of, um, was it was rape, rape allegations. Rape allegations. Um, so that's what Zuma was facing ahead of um, Polokwane, which was in 2007, the ANC's Polokwane conference. And he pushed all the way through that. I mean, Zuma came out as a charismatic leader, um, charmed a lot of people in the ANC and grew his constituency from the inside as deputy president after Tabu, uh, before Tabu um, uh, fired him then. Um, but what did that mean? Where did that place the ANC at that time? Can I just jump in here? Yeah. <clears throat> so I had, a, you know, the conversation with Mbeki was obviously quite fascinating. So I pushed him and I said, uh, you know, why did you contest for a third term? It's something everyone wanted to know. Because Polokwane is probably the biggest game changer yeah, in post-apartheid politics. Mm. Or maybe we're overestimating it. I don't know. No, yeah, of course. But I think it changed the course of both opposition and governing party politics. And so he said something, which I hadn't heard him say before, where he says he had foreseen this rot that we see in the state capture mm. commissions and all these other commissions. And he says there was something that um, was characterized from 1997 where former President Nelson Mandela started talking about this, the, the corruption of the ANC, the, the way the ANC is being used for, for, for state power and nothing else and, and, and people are joining the movement um, do not agree or subscribe themselves to the values of the movement, right? But this, uh, this is something that has been repeated over and over and over and over again over the years. But Mbeki saying, uh, you know, um, it may be revisionist. It really may be revisionist. But he says, I went to Polokwane and I said to, to, to in my political report, um, this is what went wrong. This is what's going wrong. This is what's going to happen to the party. I predicted all of this, but I was not allowed. But comrades, and he's referring to Julius Malema and Fikile Mbalula, were sent there to, to make sure that that report was not discussed. And he said that he's been told in retrospect that if that report that was honest and frank about basically Zuma and his cabal at the time, um, the, the, the outcome of the conference would have been different. Now, that for me surprised me. So basically, Mbeki's saying, um, had it not been for Julius and Fikile Mbalula who came there on a mission to disrupt and not allow my political report to be interrogated and discussed, mm. the results of Polokwane would have been very different. Yeah. I doubt it. Look, we know how the ANC works. <coughs> oh, m- maybe there, there would be people who would have been persuaded <coughs> by his argument. But come, you know, you know, you know how these things work. Um, there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's a lobbyist from the region uh, from which his uh, uh, other uh, strong ally, um, who's this guy, um, who's, who, who also famously known to say, hey, but we have numbers in, in Polokwane. Spetamanani, Popo. Spetamanani. From that yeah. region. We're talking and, and whatnot. And he would say, hey, conferences are, diffi- are difficult because now you send two people from your brand 
agreeing with what they've been deployed for. Mm. They get there, they get something nyana, and the next thing, the one votes for this candidate and the other votes for that candidate. So maybe there will be people who have been persuaded, but I don't think so. But I don't think maybe we yeah. should dwell much on that. No, but th- th- that's not the point. the point. The point that he's making is that, the, the, the point that he was making is that he foresaw this. He hmm. he, fo- he pred- he's basically now saying I predicted this. Yeah, well, but you see, just to to ride on what Declare was saying, yes, to I I understand. I mean, I I, I would I believe him in foreseeing uh, the kind. I mean, you remember that, for instance, Utabombegi uh, was at some point in time very close to Jacob Zuma, so he's one of the people who actually knows Zuma more than any one of us know him. So you know your friend, you know their weaknesses and strengths, and I believe him if he would say that I knowing this guy, I, I knew that he was going to be bad news for, for the ANC and probably for the country as well, but it that also doesn't excuse him for having, uh, you know, filled it himself. Perhaps he, he should have looked among other comrades within his own uh, slate there. I mean, a person who was running for deputy at the time was Ngozi Zuma, who yeah. had a very solid track record in government and within the ANC was respected at the time. At no associ- Even this strange association with Jacob Zuma was not there at all at that time. And I, I I would have believed that 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 was the person that um, Beggar's camp would have pushed if they wanted to prevent Zuma at all costs necessary. But pushing himself was a bit selfish as well. And so you're I saying he's as he's as much to blame as the Zuma? So absolutely. In fact, he yeah, is as much more. to blame for Zuma than anyone else because had, <laughs> had Zuma contested a different person, the results would have gone a different way. I, I would like to believe so. I feel I feel like there is a, a level of, of narcissism that I refuse to accept coming from the former president, saying I foresaw this had I been given at that time, this would not have happened. Okay, fine. So he decided to position himself as some sort of a dictator in, in the ANC and demanding at that time, which was which which is unconstitutional, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. No, it's not so, constitutional in the ANC. In the ANC. Oh, okay. So he it, it, now at the time it was not. Oh, okay, fine. But get, whatever the case, uh, he is part of what created Zuma to be this invincible. Tsunami. Uh, Yes, tsunami. That's what it was called. That's what it was called. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> to be this invincible tsunami and. When when Uzuma emerged as 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 Utabo as as someone who is a, a patriot, a former president, and someone who loves the ANC as much as he does, he knew what was going to happen. He foresaw this, but he decided to go back to the shadows because he was bitter about Pulukwane yeah, instead of trying yeah. instead of trying to make a change within inside the ANC. But can I can I can I can I can I be the devil's advocate on that point? When when the incumbent president. Ramaphosa said, the reason why I stayed as Zuba's deputy, even though he was doing all of these wrong things, is because I was trying to influence it from the inside. And none of you guys buy that argument. So... Okay, let's move on from this, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, as we all know, after Polokwane and after Zuma was elected as uh, ANC president, you had what we then called the Polokwane mo- uh, mourners. Um, so your breakaway groups headed by Terra Lakota and... Um, and so we had the, the formation of, of parties like COPE, um, was it UDM as well? No, was, UDM uh, was, was, long before. was long before. So we had COPE and we had a few other little parties that broke away from the ANC. The first 
I think the first big breakaways from the ANC we saw at that point. Um, and then we got into the Zuma presidency in 2009. And we can discuss that a whole nother time, but I think everybody sort of understands from their own perspectives. Um, and people have different views about what the Zuma presidency looked like. Um, but then was it in 2012 that there was another breakaway um, from within the ANC in the form of the EFF? Well, it didn't launch in 2012. No, it didn't the, launch, but it found its feet there. It found its feet there, yes. And it launched in 2013. If yeah. I'm not mistaken, yeah. yes, it was EFF was in 2013. And I think that was the biggest blow for the ANC in terms of a mass sort of exodus from their party. And also an exodus which resulted in an, a successful party forming. Um, we can argue about the numbers uh, from COPE and the other breakaway parties a few years earlier, but the EFF have now become a formidable um, opponent to the ANC um, in their eyes uh, to their 6% in 2014. Um, but if we look at that, should that not be seen as a very important um, fixture in our in our um, in our lead up to to these elections? Because um, we had the EFF. I don't think anybody expected it at the time, but now an an opposition party, which was more like the ANC in a way than we had with the DA. Um, so you're having a, an almost a scale where you have the DA on a sort of on the on the sort of right wing. And then the ANC sort of neutral and now the EFF completely on the left, but actually successfully uh, being able to do that. Mm. Uh, but I disagree with you about this DA on the no, right. No, not the right. So not center, on the right, but center right. Center right. right. I'm not saying all those, those the way down are, the right. Are an but, <laughs> but the EFF was not, we, we can't really say they were a breakaway. Yeah, they were not a breakaway. Because those guys with, were just straight chased out of... of and they, 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 were, they were hounded out, out. They were but, fired. But, but that's why, that's why um, you know, I gave a lot of credence to, to at initially, maybe now I think a bit differently, to 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 that whole unity talk that Mabuza was was perpetuating before in the Nazareth conference is mm. that the ANC cre- ANC has a history of creating its own enemies mm. from Encarta to UDM to yeah. COPE to 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 I mean imagine from PAC naturally from PAC yeah, yeah. <laughs> as we are looking at a picture of uh, Robert Sobukwe uh, in your it's a, it's a on his abdomen, <laughs> on Bumbu's abdomen. This <laughs> <laughs> how, how did the uh, the EFF change the sort of political landscape when they came to being in twenty? Uh, when they were sort of when they got their six percent in twenty fourteen. Uh, those well, people changed everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, 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 okay, wait. go, go, go. It's fine. Look, when when the EFF came, um, before they 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 got to parliament. People underestimated the impact that they would have, mm. but when they got to parliament, the whole this whole term, it has been like they are the official opposition. When you have an of- official opposition, which is the DA, mm. uh, they played the, their cards very well. They knew uh, when to attack, who who to attack. Okay, well, it was it, it was JZ yes. the, the whole time, but they made the young people interested in politics again. Um, or, or for the first time, I don't know. Um, <laughs> not again. They, they, use, for the first time, the, the even the parliamentary channel became popular on on, on DSTV because people wanted to watch uh, those debates. It's not it, it it parliament became vibrant not only at um, at the house sittings but even in committees. Mm. 
people wanted to to watch and and it 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 it, it helped us a lot so that uh, it, it it then built a base for them to say look there were there were, there were issues that they raised there that were, were issues of principle um they took so many cases to court so certain people realize that it's not just the noise that they make it's not just the swearing it's not just the fighting and after that that's how i believe they managed to do so well uh, and became kingmakers in Gauteng. and to me that is very important uh, and the more more so the fact that they didn't become part of the coalition formally so now when you when you have a solim simanga going to campaign in Twane, where he was a mayor, you can say as a as a member of the community, but you failed here in Twane because of this and this and that. You have your own scandals. There's Great Africa. There was you see, but the EFF managed to not be involved in that situation such that when they go to all these uh, informal settlements where they had made promises, they can go there and say, look, um, these ones that we partnered with our IMS uh, were promising that if you give us a, a chance, we will come and deliver this, this, this and that. And we will manage without being in government to, you see, so they are coming into into power disrupted a lot and it's going to have a, a, an effect on the ANC vote in the uh, uh, next week. Sengisa, just before you, you carry on, I just want to put this into a bit of context. So when the EFF um, were formed, this came in the context and um, around the Nkandla scandal uh, mm-hmm. that was around that uh, time that that broke. There were also the first sort of revelations around state capture in 2013 with the Vatikluv mm-hmm. scandal. Um, so Zuma's presidency was then shrouded in a whole bunch of corruption and mismanagement. Things were sort of falling apart um, when the FF came around in 2013. This was the same time when the opposition or the DA started campaigning um, as well in parliament just like the EFF did and the whole Zuma attack yes. started coming around. And I think um, going into the twenty four into twenty sixteen, um, twenty sixteen, the ANC finally saw the results of all that maladministration and that corruption when they suffered widespread defeats um, in the local government elections. Yeah, look, correct, I mean, correct, and Utike couldn't have put it any better. But you know, even at an ideological political level. The EFF has changed the game so much. The ANC, for instance, today is is in such an identity crisis, and it's in part uh, mostly because of what the uh, EFF is. I mean, because the ANC all these years has pretended to be a socialist party, but they never really had anyone who challenges them. But the EFF came and completely occupied that left space uh, that the ANC was not really in, because the ANC is more or less at the center, not to the left, and then the, the, the EFF occupied that space such that at times they drag the they force the ANC to move to the left with the issues of land expropriation without compensation and most uh, of of the ANC policies as we saw them and how they resolved in Nazareth that was mainly in part because of the pressures coming from the EFF. So EFF has put this uh, the ANC under so much immense pressure. Today we have fights over the nationalization of the Reserve Bank. Within the ANC, others are saying it must go, others it must not go. Those who say it must go, it's mainly to be pushed by the EFF because the EFF, these socialist 
uh, policies are mainly popular given our historical background. So you'll never fade in terms of support when you push uh, those socialist policies. So the ANC sort of gets dragged into the, uh, that position as well. But also in terms of uh, you know their participation in these metros they, they've really uh, done so well and, and I think it was a political strategy that has worked for them so far not to be part of the actual governance in these municipalities but to push at times for certain things to be done that are in line with their policies, the issues of insourcing of security guards and cleaners it has happened in Johannesburg, happened uh, in Twane, I think in uh, Nelson Mandela Bay as well, it's happening so although they are not in government but they can come out and say look at what we've delivered actually if you give us a further money when we're in, we can do more for you. So, EFF has been quite a revelation, uh, and everything so far, uh, fortunately for them, has worked well, for them. Now, let's move on. So, in 2014, um, Zuma is then he starts his second term as South Africa's president, and then a year or two later, um, they, with the, the the rise of corruption and state capture um, and those revelations coming out, um, the ANC then suffers its first major losses in the local government elections in 2016. And that resulted in, the, in them losing uh, major metros um, like um, Johannesburg, uh, like Tswane as well. And I think there was a, a, a moment of realization for the governing party at the time that something, hey, that something is not right here, something must be done. I think that's when the party starts, the first started to realize, okay, Zuma's not really working out. And then I remember in 2017 um, when the big campaigns then started um, for Nazarek and you had Ramaphosa rise, rising on the one side and you had Nkosazana Dlamini Zuma rising on the other. And Zuma was booed um, on the May Day rally in 2017, if I remember correctly, um, was it in was it in Durban or Blo- was it Bloemfontein? Yeah, um, yes, where they they sang that song that says, uh, "We had the yes. great news, the good news that uh, Zuma is living." Yes, yeah. and then and then that was sort of followed by wide scale protests in 2017 as well across the entire country, with hundreds of thousands of people um, sort of rising up against the Zuma administration, and that sort of led to the big campaign road into Nazarek which was a pivotal moment for where we are now. Um, of course, we don't have to make this news, but um, Nazrek was at the point where um, Zuma was finally defeated as the ANC president by Cyril Ramaphosa and Zuma's candidate in inverted commas, of course, Zanad Lamini Zuma. And that sort of changed the entire political landscape, um, not just for the country, but also for the ANC. Um, that decision, how does it impact where we are now? I okay. think uh, the result of this uh, of the ANC's uh, uh, conference has put uh, has, has taken away a lot of pressure from the party uh, in that at times it's very difficult to as a party to always be defending one person uh, and now when they are campaigning now they can so, so sort of run a campaign without having to defend and explain the one person and 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 for for, well, for but for this no, 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 but, but you see, Ace, 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 this thing of Ace is new. Yeah. The one of JZ has been there from 2005. Mm. So from 2005, people who were in support of him, they were constantly having to defend his faults and his problems. First, before they can sell you what they can do for you in Eastern Cape, for instance. Uh, JZ doesn't live in Eastern Cape. They would have some people who, who are candidates there uh, to be the premier, MECs and whatnot. So even if those people would have been competent, I'm not saying they, they, they's been, they, they are competent because they've got their own problems there. Yeah. <laughs> but even if they were competent people who were 
going to be able to bring about change and and and, and there was always this uh, uh, elephant in the room that Ish, but there's this guy you see but so but guys we, we are such a forgiving nation so the elephant was chased out at Nazrek by ANC branches and we somehow absolve the ANC of all the collective responsibility absolutely because someone is now on pension we forgive it all. We forgive it all. But you see, the the problem is mainly declared. I I don't think the ANC is problem on an individual. The ANC is a vicious patronage network. Uh, the entire system of the ANC. I can agree with that. And for me, as you can change individuals all you want. I mean, someone recently wrote about it. I forgot who is it, and he was lambasted on Twitter for writing that. That you can have an individual. Yes, uh, Mr. Ramaphosa has got an integrity and all that. But the how how deep the patronage network of the and see the way the manner in which it runs deep, my brother. Not, not, I, I not, not even the, Jesus. Not in the, in the state. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just starting with yeah. the party to say <laughs> what happened to Nazareth doesn't really change the situation. No, actually, an ANC, as the ANC, from where I'm standing, it needs a complete overhaul in terms of its moral compass. Mukande called it a surgical overhaul. Absolutely, <laughs> I agree with Mukande that for the ANC to self-correct, it must die and restart again. There is no because, other way. Because you know what's going to happen? Every time there is a new uh, crop of leaders, then we're going to have this one elephant. The previous one, we had Zuma. This one, it looks like we're going to have Ace, and we're all going to hate Ace and focus on Ace and forget about, forget about everyone, everyone else. else and then the, at the, 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 you know, and then at the end of, of this term, then we're going to hear stories. Of, would, no, actually, it wasn't just Ace. So-and-so also, and so-and-so. So this thing of just let, one, let, let me, let me the ANC you. is the elephant. All of it is <laughs> the <laughs> elephant. <laughs> but let, me, let me give you an example about how, how bad this is, and, and the similar concept of how fickle we can be as South Africans is... Shamila Badoi is going to be this uh, figure from Hardy Boys or something <laughs> that's going to come uh, with a big hat and a you know share of gun yeah. and 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 going to solve you know law enforcement problems in South Africa. And you know there's this and I, 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 I felt like I was fixating on this story this weekend. This tiny story that appeared in the Sunday Times about what's happening at the Hawks and it's it's so small and granular and tiny. But for me, it just speaks volumes to the crisis that this country faces. A person is implicated in the State Capture Commission. She is a major general in charge of the country's anti-corruption cases. (laughs) She is probably the most important police officer in this country at this moment. She is accused by a former deputy finance minister of killing cases, of killing a case Mm against the Gupta brothers, right? She then says, no, she's going... She, she then gets suspended, but she also then says she's going to cross-examine him, uh, B.C. Jonas, and by that she means she's going to dispute what he mm. says. She withdraws that, meaning she agrees with mm. what B.C. Jonas says. She's on suspension. 60 days later, she quietly gets reinstated into her job, mm. and she now, today, works in the office of the Hawks. Mm. Okay, I think... But I think it serves as the question as to what has really changed uh, between the Zuma era and the Ramaphosa era, and the two years of Ramaphosa now. Um, we've got a small soundbite to sort of illustrate that. 
big question which you need to answer today is how did we get here? Well, when manifestos are anchored in lies and populist rhetoric and deliberately designed to hoodwink people into voting for heaven on earth promises, the result is always chaos. The NC government will therefore transform the structure of the economy through industrialization, broad-based black economic empowerment, addressing the basic needs of our people as well as strengthening and expanding the role of the state. We want to mobilize more investments into our economy so that both government and business should increase their level of investment in our economy. The ANC manifesto contains our plans for addressing poverty, unemployment and inequality. We have therefore put radical economic transformation as the central focus of our plans for the next five years. We have a plan to raise 1.3 trillion rand in a new, new investments over the next five years. We will implement reforms in economic sectors that have greatest potential to grow and create jobs. Even when I talked to Mr. Zuma, I said that to, to him that you know we shouldn't promise things that cannot be delivered. Like for instance, when he, he himself promised that there, he would create half a million jobs and a million jobs were lost. A promise was made, and rightly or wrong, the students now demand what is due to them. I'm sure the ANC members will remember this poster of theirs when you promised people free education and then now you come back and say it's not possible. What was the plan when you mooted this? What are you thinking? Did you think that it would sell? You got the votes, now you can't deliver. So it is on that basis that you need to take ownership of the chaos. You caused it, you promised people lies, you were elected on the basis of lies, but it's evident now is that lies and liars don't deliver. So that was a few bites from um, <laughs> Parliament, a few parliamentarians, but also from Jacob Zuma when he was uh, president and now Ramaphosa when he's president. And leaving personalities aside, they've both been promising the same things, which means nothing has really changed. So as we head into elections next week, let's talk specifically about the governing party. And we can, and we've spoken about education. We've spoken about every single policy leading up to these elections and here we are in 10 years have we got a, a governing party that is capable of changing south africa the, the track record leaves much to be desired uh look there there are sectors where we we have changed and we have improved uh for instance uh the the, the, introdu the introduction of that program of arvs that was yeah. very successful. It changed. Uh, we've increased uh, the likes, life expectancy. And those things, you need to upload them, you mm -hmm. see. Of course. Um, uh, we, we di uh, whether you agree or disagree about the infrastructure being white elephants, but it was a successful project, that of 20, 2010. 
uh, we build roads, mm. uh, uh, the Houting uh, uh, Highway and whatnot. Mm. But now you you have let's talk about uh, Houting where where it's hotly contested. The guy who's contesting to be the premier again is the current premier, which is David Makur. Mm. When he moved from his office of secretary general to run for being premier, he promised the people of Gauteng that he would deal with the it holes. Of course. He's campaigning now. He's still promising the same the thing. Same thing. Of Na- nothing has changed. Mm. So, so, so do I believe that he's going to bring change? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think all political parties, not just the ANC, all political parties make uh, promises that they themselves sometimes know they are not going to be able to deliver on. Uh, but with the ANC, we can be able to measure and you know also criticize because they've been in government and and like Apiwe said, they've done exceptionally well in 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 a lot of things. Um, they haven't done so well in in other things. And they have been uh, very corrupt, <clears throat> you know, because people didn't struggle to be poor and, and whatever, whatever. Uh, the one thing that's always going to set our country back is is sometimes not uh, the performance of government, but the ability for all citizens to have equal opportunities. So I think when the ANC finally decides to deal with that elephant of a dealing with um, the um, the legacy of of colonialism and apartheid and how it has affected us on race based uh, issues and how that determines pretty much your whole life if you, if if you live in this country, then nothing is ever gonna change. So, so your final thoughts? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll just add uh, on the final point of uh, Zimasa. You know, on 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 what the I I believe generally that the ANC has excelled. Uh, most in things that are unsustainable uh, instead of things that would provide a, a lifetime well-being to individuals which all we want really as as, as people is equal opportunities equal economic uh, you know participation in the, in the in the wealth of the country which is not the case uh, so far those things are still very much skewed to the those who have always been uh, you know privileged once privileged always privileged has been the order of the day in the past 25 years of ANC rule and I think they see now that the things in terms of the social welfare, when I say they do things that are unsustainable, yes, they've grown social welfare, we've got 17 million on social grant, mm-hmm. but can you really sustain that? And yeah. is social grant itself enough to sustain one in terms of living a, you know, a, a, a decent life? It is not. But in terms of things that will sustain people, which is participation in businesses, people being able to open businesses and succeeding in that, people being able to have uh, decent jobs, that's where the ANC has failed in the main. And I think for them that has been their Achilles heel they've been able to do things that are unsustainable especially social welfare they've done exceptionally well there but going forward they really need to look at this but I don't know I don't know man uh, they look at the, the future doesn't look so bright uh, in the hands of the answer, as far as I'm concerned but okay, it's not like we have a better alternative anyway <laughs> we, they created a welfare say, state <laughs> and we deserve better when you say equal opportunity so are you going to vote for the ones of the blue 
No, no, no. no, 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 no. One South Africa for all. All right, guys. Unfortunately, that is all we have time for this week. Um, thank you, colleagues, so much for for joining me in studio this week, and thank you all so much for listening. Um, please follow us on Twitter at stpolitics hashtag stpoliticsweekly. You can also find our podcast on our Times Live website under the opinions and analysis section. Um, please join us again next week. Um, we're gonna come back just a day before elections to give you one last podcast um, before you have to mark your name down on, uh, you mark your ex down on that massive podcast. one that's a right. massive one boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> catch you guys next week have a good one